Hey guys, Debs here, and welcome to another episode of Debs Watchlist. Today, it's just gonna be me, so no guests, and what I'll be talking about is my top three films and shows in 2021 thus far. As many of you guys know, my New Year's resolution is to watch at least 100 movies and shows in their entirety. So it doesn't count if I only watch halfway or if I skim through it. Like, I have to watch the whole thing. And so right now, I'm at 29. And so I thought it'd be fun to share with you guys my top three picks thus far. First up, Promising Young Woman. Before I jump into Promising Young Woman, I wanted to provide a trigger warning. Because this movie does deal with themes of sexual assault, so if you're not comfortable, skip ahead to about the six minute mark for the next movie. Promising Young Woman is one of the buzziest films this award season. It has been nominated for five Oscars, including Best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, and Best Actress in a Leading Role. So all of the big awards. Written and directed by Emerald Fennell, Promising Young Woman stars the phenomenal Carrie Mulligan as Cassie, a young, smart, and gorgeous woman on a mission to avenge the death of her best friend, Nina, who committed suicide after being sexually assaulted at a school party and had her case dropped due to lack of evidence. When Cassie learns that the man who raped Nina is getting married, she takes matters into her own hands to serve the justice that the law couldn't. There have been a number of shows and films about sexual assault, but Promising Young Woman stands out for a few reasons. First, the story isn't focused on the victim, but rather on the victim's loved ones. Usually, movies with themes of sexual assault focus on how the incident impacts the victim, but not many examine how the incident also impacts the people surrounding them. In Promising Young Woman, we never really get to know the victim, Nina, nor do we ever hear her telling us what happened. Instead, we see everything unfold through the eyes of her best friend, Cassie. And that brings to light a painful truth, which is that the impact of sexual assault is never limited to just the victim and the perpetrator. Instead, there's a ripple effect, and those who are close to the victim are also irreparably damaged and in some ways, a victim themselves, too. In addition to its unique perspective, the movie also stands out with its visuals. While the film deals with a really heavy topic, it doesn't have any of the dreary aesthetics that are typical for such a film. Instead, you have eye-catching, pop-colored aesthetics that are actually reminiscent of Candyland. Now, that may sound odd at first, But I think the stark contrast between the vibrant visuals and the tragic reality of what's actually going on in the plot is what makes this movie so devastating. The fairy tale-esque house that Cassie lives in, along with her anthropology-inspired clothes, all seem to hint at the potential she had before her friend's assault. Like the movie title, Cassie was a promising young woman. She was fun, pretty, a smart med student, with a bright future ahead of her. But her friend's assault completely broke her and took all that potential away. So those bright visuals serve as a constant reminder of what Cassie could have been. 
And when you juxtapose that with how the story unfolds, it's a tragedy. One last thing that I also wanted to call out about this film is how controversial the ending is. Not going to spoil it, but I did want to acknowledge that there have been a lot of conversations because people have mixed feelings about it, especially over whether it's a truly happy and satisfying conclusion. And I do understand where they're coming from, since the movie is marketed as a revenge thriller, so people naturally want some kind of satisfying conclusion to the revenge. Add to that the dark humor in the movie, and of course people can get kind of confused about whether the ending is supposed to be happy or sad. But personally, I think the ending was supposed to be tragic. I think the filmmaker was intentionally trying to use irony and dark comedy to reflect the honest, painful truth that the world isn't kind or supportive of people traumatized by sexual assault. Basically, there's no such thing as perfect justice. And that's why we got the ending we got. So even though Promising Young Woman is not an uplifting watch, I still highly, highly recommend it because it is a very well done film. Like there's a reason why it got nominated for all those Oscars. But also more importantly, I think it takes a very nuanced and thoughtful approach to portraying sexual assault. And after watching this movie, there's a lot to reflect on. There's a lot to talk about. And I think it's one of those films that will stay with you long after the credits roll. next movie that I really enjoyed is the thriller Run. So I watched this movie because it was directed and written by Anish Chaganti, who was the director and writer behind the 2018 hit film Searching, which garnered a lot of attention and praise for its unpredictable plot and unique format. Basically, the movie, which is about a father looking for his missing daughter, unfolds on the screens of technical devices. So you would see basically text messages on phone screens, videos on a web browser, and you wouldn't see any of your typical movie shots where it seems like you're observing everything happen in real life. Searching was also the first Hollywood mainstream thriller to have an Asian male lead. So there were a lot of reasons and a lot of things to love about that movie. So that's why I was super excited to watch Chaganti's second feature film, Run. Starring Sarah Paulson, Run is about a single mom who raises her sickly teenage daughter in complete isolation. And everything is fine until her daughter starts to catch on to some secrets. So Run was definitely an entertaining watch. I was completely engrossed and on the edge of my seat for all of it. But I was also a bit spooked by the plot because it actually bears a really strong resemblance to real life events that I've read on the news before. But if I were to compare this movie to Searching, Run does feel a little less inventive and a little less groundbreaking because it doesn't have any of the wild plot twists or unique formats that made Searching such a buzzy film. Run is more like one of those movies where you kind of know what's going to happen next, but the thrill is in seeing the details of how everything unfolds. Kind of like those movies where you know pretty early on who the culprit is, but you still watch it because the fun is in seeing how they get caught or get away. Even though Run doesn't quite compare to Searching, don't get me wrong, it was still a really good movie. Like, Searching's a high bar, so even though Run didn't meet it, 
it was still better than many other thrillers I've seen. One small issue I did have with Ren, though, is how it didn't really dive deep into the characters' backstories, which meant that there were some unanswered questions, things that I was curious about, that if I had answers to, would have resulted in a more satisfying watch. But regardless, it was fun, it was nerve-wracking, so if you need a little emotional roller coaster to stir up some excitement in your humdrum quarantine life, this is the pick for you. The last recommendation from my watch list is Penthouse. Those who know me are probably not surprised because no recommendation list is complete unless there's a Korean drama. And man, this show is wild. So what is Penthouse about? It's essentially a drama about the richest people in Korea. So the story is set at the Hera Palace, which is a 100 floor luxury penthouse apartment complex that houses the wealthiest 1% in Korea. The floor you live on symbolizes your status. So the higher up you are in the building, that means the more powerful and wealthy you are. But when a poor orphan girl falls to her death at this complex, the most powerful families in the building are thrown into chaos because this incident now threatens to reveal the dark secrets they've been hiding. Add the fact that this girl was actually pushed off the building, aka murder, and the murderer might be one of them. So cue the drama, cue the thrills, cue the incredibly wild plot twists that happened. There were so many mind-blowing plot developments that I was glued to my screen. Like, this might have been the first time in a long time that I pulled a near all-nighter to binge a show. So Penthouse is probably one of the hottest K-dramas in recent memory. It has been the number one show in terms of viewership and social media chatter in Korea, and it was so popular that when it concluded in January, season two came out shortly after, and season three is currently slated for this summer. Fun fact, this drama is actually what some Koreans call a makjang drama, which basically means that the show is super ridiculous and actually somewhat like a really bad soap opera. But everyone still loves it. They still tune in because the plot is so crazy that you want to see how the next episode can outdo the craziness of the previous one. But while the story is ridiculous, it doesn't mean the show is trash. The production value is pretty good for a K-drama. Everything makes logical sense, at least thus far. Haven't seen season three yet, so don't know how the show's gonna end. And the actors, they're phenomenal in every sense of the word. But I guess what makes this drama quote-unquote ridiculous, at least in my opinion, is how the story would never happen in real life. Like, it's super out there, mostly because it pushes the dark side of human nature to the extreme. Never in my life have I seen characters who are so evil and so smart. Like, what they're capable of is shocking and terrifying. If they were real people, you should pray that you never cross paths with them. So I also guess that's the reason why people are hooked to this drama, because one, we're all curious just how much more twisted things can be. Like, what else are these people capable of? And two, we want to see justice, because the greater the villain, the sweeter justice tastes when it's finally served. And that's why we keep watching. And that's why at the time of this recording, 
I am dreading the end of season two and the three month wait for season three because I just know season two is going to end on a cliffhanger. So thanks guys for tuning in to today's episode where I shared my top three films and TV shows in 2021 thus far. Now that I think about it, all those picks were (laughs) kind of heavy. Anywho, let me know if you've seen any of these movies or shows. And if you have any recs from your watch list, preferably happy ones, share those with me on Instagram at Debs underscore speaking or at my blog, DebsWatchlist.com. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode and talk to you guys next time. Bye.